Um, I, uh, I'm sorry for this, but uh, the only appointment, I, I, I got a, a, a time at the court and I won't have time to change, so see where my priorities are. No, and actually, we've been talking about asking for more, and as I've been studying this, there's something that goes along with asking for more, and actually, it is, it's, it's a, a foundation. And whenever you ask for more, we, we have to deal with improving your serve, because there is a relationship that if you ask more from God, there's something that God is going to ask from us. And then if we increase our asking, because that's what more means, ask for more, God is going to ask us to increase in our serve. And when you increase your serve, a lot of times it's just improving it. So before, before we can really get into that, it doesn't matter what it is that we do. If it's business, um, it starts with a, sh- a firm foundation. You must have a firm foundation. In, in, in your faith, you have to have a firm foundation. And the firmer your foundation is in any of these things, the, the more assertive, the more sure of you, yourself in stepping out and achieving it. You know, people say, I want to do this. Well, if they know absolutely that's what they want to do, that there's a... a, a strong base for them if they have to go to college or get some training. You know, even when you ask someone, you want to tell somebody you love them. You pretty, I mean, I was, I had to be sure. You know, I I was in in sketchy area. I never really told anybody I'd love them. Uh, Even any girls I were dating, you know, it's like, man, I am so in like with you. Uh, so when I did, I asked the doctor, Crystal, Dr. C, I was <clears throat> driving my German sports car, powder blue 1968 VW Bug. Where is it made? Does it have a rear engine? That's a, that's a sports car, my friend. Huh. You think that alone, she would love me. <laughs> So we're driving along, I'm driving, you know, it's just a romantic guy I'm doing, I have to do this while I'm driving. And so uh, I'm driving along and I just, <clears throat> I say, well, uh, to the best of my ability, to all that I know in my experience, which is very limited, I uh, believe I love you. Not looking at her. Looking at her, I wouldn't have had the strength to do it. But I, I mean, I, I was lovesick, but that's the best I could do. But I needed to, I had to, I tormented over this. You know, my dad just added to it. You know, I go, I, t- I told my dad, I said, well, you know, I really think I love Crystal. He goes, well, son, he goes, uh, take a look at her mother and that's going to be her in 25 years. Dad, you're ruining this. <laughs> oh. So, the, I mean, that was, that was bold for me. That was bold. But the, her reply, and I'm not looking at her, she just quietly goes, <clears throat> feelings mutual. 
Okay, we're not really romantic people. But anybody who, you know, at, at the age of 20, 20, 21 says the feeling's mutual to someone, you realize one day they're going to have their PhD. <laughs> That's how you respond to I love you, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> but, you know, I had, to have, I had to know that I know that I know that I know to get that to come out of me. And it's that way in no matter, if you go to ask for a raise, you got to know that you know that you know that you know that you, know, you, know, you deserve it. If you're going to ask something for God, you got to have a firm foundation. It doesn't matter if it's sports, it, 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 your faith, uh, your profession. The first thing that you're told to do is check your foundation. If you're going to launch out on something, you know, when you go to play golf, you address the ball. Say, okay, right, that's where I'm going to hit the ball. There's where I'm going to place the ball on that heel. You know, it's, it all starts here. And if ever you hit a bad shot, you start, where do you go back to? No, that was right. And so your next shot, you don't have, you, you know that this is right. There's nothing to change. You go back to your foundation that gives you the strength to go to the next level. And it's in the faith and especially in asking for more, we have a foundation. We have a foundation that we absolutely need to have. And that foundation is this. God loves you. He loves you. You see, there's, there's so many in the faith that question that. They question God's love for them. And they, they do it in so many ways, you know, because you may have been raised that way, you know, that your mother's mad at you. You're not worthy of my love. You know, go in their bedroom. You know, I don't love you anymore. And that's, that's horrible. God loves you. And, you know, your parents loved you. They were just mad at you. They were upset with you. But they should never use the word, you know, love and, you know, the lack of it because you did something wrong. They love you. They can be disappointed in you but they love you. It's that foundation that no matter what you do, you can go back. And, and let me, I'm just going to give you a heads up because at the end of the message, we're going to have a ministry time. And hopefully the Spirit of God will be able to reveal to you that you may fall into this category, that your foundation is not as sured as you thought it was. That there's times that you go into your bedroom after a bad day or you failed at something, you've done something wrong, and you're in there alone. I want you to know you're not. God loves you. He loves you. Did you fail? Did you do something wrong? Sure you did. But the Bible tells us that he loves us. And until that, that is our foundation, if we've done something good or bad, we can't earn God's love because he loves us. We cannot lose his love because he, lo he loves us. Period. It's a perfect love. Let's take a look at these. Uh, the first is that there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. He said, I so loved you that I sent my son and I sent him to die for you. What are you going to do? You know, draw a picture of flowers and have God put it on the refrigerator and he loves you more? No. You know, that's what our grandkids say. Look what I drew. And like, okay, that's there until they're 12. You know, <laughs> you, tr you try to take one of those pictures down the next, where's my picture? It's like, oh, 
I've I've warped my grandkids. You know, <laughs> like they think I don't love them. So, you know, people say, "Hey, can I get a, a cup of you know, can I get some ketchup?" You're going, "Yeah, just look for all the artwork and pull on it." <laughs> there's a refrigerator behind it. So, there's nothing. That, that compares, and that's what God was trying to say. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more, and there's nothing you can do to love you less because I know you stink. I know you failed. I know you're fallen. I'm going to send my son. And somehow, something has gotten into many of us saying, I have to achieve this for God to love me, or God can't love me because I've done that. That's got to come out. You can't ask for more if that's in you. Because there's a little voice that's going to stand up and keep you from asking more of God. That little voice doesn't want you to. So without that foundation, we're not going to ask more from God. It's that voice that keeps talking to us. So his love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite. It's perfect. We don't have to be concerned with our love worthiness because he loves us. And if ever you've, you've put that scale, I can't ask God because I have done this. If ever you have that scale in your life, I want to absolutely smash it today. It has to be smashed if you're going to ask more from God. If, if you're going to put yourself in that position, if you're ever going to feel worthy of that, it's got to be smashed. So I'm going to speak on a spiritual level because it may be something from your childhood that happened to you that's kind of put this spike in a program that always comes up. You know, it was a hurt. Something, someone rejected you, someone died, someone divorced, someone did something. Someone lies. And from that moment on, whenever it comes something in that area, this thing sticks its head up and it talks to you. Let me tell you, that hurt doesn't talk. Uh, Some type of spirit has picked up your pain and it's disguised itself as you and it talks to you now. And it keeps you from going to another level, from being healed, from... Asking for God. I remember I was, uh, there were a bunch of kids in our neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood where there was just tons of kids. And I would play with them every, every day after school, all summer long. And I didn't realize that my parents had had a falling out with the person who runs the neighborhood. And it wasn't an HOA, it was just some Jezebel. <laughs> That's what I think we should call HOAs now. <laughs> That uh, I'm a member of the Jezebel group in this neighborhood. Uh, it's called HOA. They think they can tell you how to do everything. And do it. So, all right, some of you know. And to those of you who are the president, I'm just this is just a joke. You're president of your HOA. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> I never had a birthday party until I was like six or seven. I think I was. Well, I was in first grade. I started a little early. And my mother goes, we're going to have a birthday party. 
And I really kind of didn't know it because I'd never gone to any of the birthday parties of any kids in my neighborhood. But come to find out, they were having birthday parties. I just wasn't invited. So my mother thought, well, I'll invite them all. I'll bury the hatchet and I'll invite all these kids to Mark's birthday party. No one came. All of a sudden, I was self-aware. I was Adam. I was naked. <laughs> I became self-aware that no one came to my party and that they had been having parties all along and I was never invited. So I get married. Crystal wants to throw me a birthday party. And I absolutely, I don't want a birthday party. I don't want you to invite any of my friends over here. I just don't like birthday parties. I, I, I'll go to a birthday party. I just don't like, I don't want. And, I'm, and, she, and she, she didn't understand that growing up with you know, all these sisters. and huh. I had to go, and I mean, this thing was a big deal to me. It's like, I mean, it's just that you don't want a birthday party. Birthday parties are stupid. You know, you go, hmm, that sounded like I was seven. So what happened when I was seven? <laughs> the voice always kind of mimics the age that it happened. And then it hit to me. There was a spike in my program, a pain. Huh. A rejection. And that's why I don't, I don't like it anymore. What's the next thought? The next thought is to think nobody's going to come. Back when I was seven. Nobody's going to come and I'm going to be embarrassed. What a pain. I know my wife's not here, so she must have a headache. She's watching. I don't want a birthday party. I'm healed. <laughs> oh, there she is. <laughs> don't have a birthday. Family birthday party. That's it. <laughs> she said, no, oh, now that he's healed, no, I just, I'm, I'm healed, don't care for it. Uh, <laughs> all of us have that story. All of us have that rejection. But here's the point, and, and I'm, I'm kind of direct, we're going to deal with this at the end. For those of us who've been hurt, disappointed, abandoned, Maybe we've done something that pain, hurt, abandonment isn't a voice. There is a spirit that's picked that up, that has picked it up knowing that it can control you and affect you and stop you and hinder you in your growth, your love, your walk, your success. It talks to you. If you have something that talks to you to this day, I'm going to let you know that that's an evil spirit that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy from you. And I'm going to talk to it today if you'll recognize it. We're going to torment it instead of it tormenting you. Because we're going to separate that voice. You think that voice has been you? No, it's not. It's disguise, it disguises itself that that's you. But I want to call it out, and we're going to separate that from you, that you recognize that that is not you. You love you. And why is this thing speaking so bad about you, hindering you, keeping you back? And that all comes with asking for more. There's responsibilities with asking for more. 
But we need, at the end, we're going to see who needs to separate themselves from this and step on that foundation that God loves me, period. No matter what I've done, what I haven't done. He loves me. So I can step out in boldness and do something. If you do something wrong, God loves you. If you do something right, God loves you. He doesn't love you more because you did something right. He doesn't love you less. You see, God loves us for who he is, not who we are. Who the heck are you? It's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm, God's going to do whatever I ask because I'm going to paint him a picture and put it on his refrigerator. Honestly, do any of you parents or grandparents love your kids more because they painted a pretty picture and put it on the refrigerator? No. No, you don't love them anymore. Well, it was a really good picture. No, you don't love them anymore. You know, how about, I always like it when people are going, do you have a prayer language? Do you speak in dogs? I want one. But what if I do it wrong? God, you know, what if there's a devil in it? You know, have you, have you, I always try to get my kids to go pop-pops before they say da-da. You know, <laughs> Pop, pop, my grandkids, pop, 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 pop. And when they look at you, they go, mama. The devil's in this child. <laughs> if they get it wrong, the devil, come out! You know? <laughs> it's like, you love them. You love them if they get it absolutely wrong. You know, and you're going, say you love pop, pop, say you. And they go, bleh. You know, oh, bleh. You do love pop-pops. It doesn't matter what they do, you love them, don't it? It's like you just love them. And you know, whenever you stand before the Lord and say, Lord, put words in my mouth, give me a prayer language, and you go, la, 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 I know exactly what you said in the spirit. What? La, 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 la. <laughs> Guess what? God loves you until you have that foundation. You're not going to be bold. You're on. What if I do it wrong? What if I do it wrong? At the end of the day, he loves you. He loves you when you're doing it wrong. He loves you. He doesn't reward for bad behavior, but he loves you. With that foundation, I can ask for anything. Because if I ask for something and it's wrong and it's selfish, guess what happens? Nothing. But he loves me. I said it all wrong. And he loves me. So tomorrow I can be bold again. Until I get it right. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. He's going to see that we get it right. But until you start trying, he can't direct the steps that you take. He says, choose your path and your way you're going to go. You choose, choose a path. And God will direct the steps. My path might be over there. So when I go to take that path, well, what about that? How did this happen? Because you chose the path, he guided the steps. 
but there is nothing happens till you choose a path because you're not going to lift your foot up until there's a place to walk, but he guides where you end up. Ask. And it starts with, do you believe God loves you, period? You can be bold. You can choose a path and he'll guide the steps. God loves you because of who he is and not who you are. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that I don't have to worry about my love worthiness. He loves me because of who he is. So whenever you think that there's something you've done to separate you from the love of God, or it's too late for you, you're wrong. Something is lying to you. Something is lying to you. Here's a, a verse. I was sharing this with Dr. C. It's this one she really liked. It says, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadows of your wing. All of humanity. Do you know all of humanity didn't say all oh, those who love him? Love... No, it goes... If you call upon the name of the Lord, he'll answer. If you're a heathen, he'll answer. Now, though God loves you, he also honors your request, your decision. If you, if you don't decide that Jesus is your Savior, that he, he allows you to have your choice, which is hell. If you choose hell, he'll let you have it. doesn't mean he loves you less. He loves you, and because he loves you so much, he sent his only son so that you won't make, don't have to make that choice. It's like a computer. A computer comes with a default setting. If everything crashes, it just goes back to default. You came with a default setting. You've fallen short of the glory of God, and you're destined for hell. That's your default setting. You were born into sin. And so there's a new program that God's provided to load up. It says, Jesus Christ, his son sent here, died on the cross, died for my sins, that I may make it to heaven. I have to put that program in. And if you don't put that program in, every time everything crashes and falls, it just goes back to the default. And that's hell. He loves us so much. He doesn't send everyone to heaven. He loves us and gives us free will that you make that choice. And for you computer geeks, this is your Sunday. You go, this is the first time he's ever made sense. <laughs> I understand the I understand the cross now. <laughs> he loves us. This is the one and and if you could put yourself in the situation. This verse in Isaiah 49. Yet they say people the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. The answer is, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Yet even if that should happen, even if that could happen, I'll not forget you. What? See, I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. Years ago, they 
all the church people would say, you can't get a tattoo. It's a mark of the devil. Don't mark your body, as Leviticus says. Jesus has a tat. And you know where it is? It's on his leg and it's in his hand. What's on his leg? It says when he mounts the horse, the white horse, and he's coming back to battle Armageddon. Says, says, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then on his hand is your name. Wow. Nice tat. That's powerful. Whenever you find yourself, you've, you've done something silly, someone's done something to you, and you find yourself alone, and you think yourself alone, and you're crying, and you're holding your face in your hand, I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit, as you pull your hand away, he's going to remind you that your name is on his palm. The deal is, is his foundation underneath you. He loves you. He loves you. There's a little book at the end of the New Testament. It says, keep yourself in the love of the Lord. See, the Lord loves you, but you've got to keep it ever in front of you. You've got to keep it as your foundation under your feet. Keep it ever in front of you. That's your foundation. That's where your boldness comes from. That's where the boldness comes to be healed, to go on after this incredible hurt. It's that foundation that no matter what, he loves me. My name is on his palm. And his name is on his side. King of king. Wow. That moves me. It, it, it moves me. When I'm feeling lonely because I can't be alone. I can't. If I keep his love ever before me. If that's my foundation. I'm going to, whatever I'm going through, whatever shyness, whatever addictions, whatever it is I have to overcome, I come out bold. How can you say such a thing? Because I went in that place loved. I went into that dark cave loved. I went into that, dis I went into that desperation. I went into that, that place where I was depressed. I went in there. I went in there that way, but I went in loved. And we've all been in places like that. But, you know, when you go in knowing you're loved, you come out a lot quicker than anybody else. Something is settled. I want to ask for more. But I don't dare ask for more. Because I may ask wrong. I may... To embarrass myself, I may, but I'm loved. I can do it wrong. He's going to see to it that, he, that I get it right. Wow. So asking, asking more from God is asking for more participation with God. First Peter, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received. Have you received a gift from the Lord? An ability, a personality, a talent? Whatever your gift that you've received from God, you received it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various. You've received, see, he gives you, not so that you can be stingy, but for you to give to others, to share. 
the testament, how he has blessed you. He goes, go bless others. You go and you bless others. Let me, let me ask this. What in your life right now has enslaved you? An addiction? Um, a fear? Lack of faith? I mean, really, really, put some, I mean, you, you may not come up with something because, you know, whenever I ask somebody a question, they just go, uh, I'm not a good test taker. Uh, what's your name? I'll come up with, uh, I mean, there's some people just freak out when I ask questions. Like, oh, I'm, 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 I can't get back with you. What has enslaved you? Uh, your mortgage, your credit card, has that enslaved you? I can't do that. I can't go on vacation because of this. I can't do that. I can't teach because I, I can't love because I've been hurt. Something has enslaved you. We've all been enslaved with something. What is yours? What's your number one? Don't give me a list of 10. Don't tell me your parents. Don't tell me your husband. It may be, but don't tell you. He's sitting right beside you. What has enslaved you? Have you got it? Hopefully. What has kept you from freedom? To enjoy? To be? God's called us to freedom, guys. Called us to freedom. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only, wait a minute. We were called not to be enslaved. So we're asking God to free us from that thing, to partner with us from that thing that enslaves us because a slave cannot doesn't have the freedom to choose. He doesn't have a choice. His life is not his own. A slave can't pick on what vacation he goes to. He can't, he can't choose this person or that person to go do stuff because he's enslaved to something. But the Bible says you were called to be free. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. It says you were called to be free from this thing that holds you back. But when you experience that freedom, don't keep it to yourself, that selfishness. Use your freedom to help serve others, to help free others who are enslaved. Use your freedom, your freedom from being enslaved to help others. You're partnering with God. He goes, you want to ask for more? You want to ask to get free of this? Listen, freedom is the path that I want all my children to walk in. But when you get free, don't use it just for yourself. Use it to serve others. Oh, but there's a part B that's even better. You like part one, part A, part B is even better. If you're enslaved, 
Just know that if you're going to ask God to get you out of it, you've got to use that freedom to serve, to improve your serve. You start with the base. You start with addressing the ball. And you're, you're bold in it. Now we're working on improving your serve because your foundation's right. Now we're going to get that serve down. Well, here's what happens. Asking more from God is asking for more accountability. Yay. You have to have an accountability. And I remember when we were doing this and starting small groups and going, this is accountability. I believe in accountability. I'm glad you said that because last week, I, uh, you did this and said that and called that person and going, who are you to judge God's servant? <laughs> it's like, I thought you said you believe in accountability. If I'm holding you accountable, I believe in it. What are you judging God's servant? I'm out of this church. You know, it's like, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> accountability. Look at the, this is the part B that gets better. Yes. From everyone who has been given much, guess what? Much will be demanded. Hey. But look. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Let's walk this out. So you ask for something, God gives it. You, you know, you give. You, you using. I know the house, I pay my mortgage off. God Thank you for helping me pay my mortgage off. Now, how am I going to use that? You know, I might have a home group over here. I don't have to have two jobs to pay it off. I don't, you know, there's freedom. We can dirty the carpet now because I don't have enough money to buy a new carpet. You know, whatever it is, you know, I'm going to use this that God has given me or whatever gift God has given you, whatever abilities, you're going to use it. And guess what? He uses it. And he used it up. So what do you have to do? I got to ask for more. See, once you're known as a giver or a lover, your name gets out there going, I need someone to love me. I need someone to hold me. I need someone to give me a hug. You know, and so everyone's coming to you to get loved and hugged and get attention from, and you're like, I'm tired. God gave me a gift, but he didn't give me that much gift. You need to ask more from whom much has been given, much is going to be demanded because you got a name for yourself, and they're keep going, oh, Lord, I joined this church. I just want to be used. Just use me, Lord. Lord, you know that's on my heart. I want to be used. Please use me. And so people use you, and they use you. They borrow your tools. They don't bring them back. <laughs> they borrow your car. It comes back with a scratch, a new dent. Lord, I am so sick of this church. They just have used me. Yes, and you forgot to ask for more. You see, if God's given you a gift and people use it and you use it to serve, you got to keep asking for more or else you're going to get bitter with the church because you're going to get used. You don't notice how much you're used if your garage keeps getting filled up every time you give something away. 
You don't realize how empty your heart is as if you give love away and God keeps filling it up. It's when you stop asking. That which you're gifted to serve in, you got to grow in it. You got to grow in it or you're going to get embittered. And you're going to blame the church. You're going to blame God for something that you asked for. If he's given you a gift, he's saying, you're going to be accountable for it. Use it to serve others. And that who's been given a whole lot, that's why you go to someone who's really wealthy or really successful, and they go, oh, pastor, you're so great. Oh, you made you do this, you do that. And you're going, and, you know, and we kind of sit there and like, thank you. Why? Have you ever noticed that wince on my face? Like the more, the more praise someone gives me for something that I've done, and, and I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, I'm going to another level. i got to keep asking. Or maybe I'll just hire Peter. <laughs> Let him pick it up. <laughs> Let me tell you about your, past, your lead pastor. For those of you who don't, if you're new, um, I'm the founder and senior pastor. Uh, I'm also old. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I built one church, uh, this, then it's time to build another. And you know what? Church is about handing to the next generation. Let me say, there's a gifted man that's come into my life, and his name's Peter Brunton. And the Lord led me in Scotland to invite him over here many, many years ago to be a part of what the Lord asked me. And so I've given him the lead position. He's got all the energy and vinegar that you need. I mean, sugar that... Uh, <laughs> But one of the things that happened to your lead pastor, years and years ago, he liked to play soccer. You know that girl game? Um, <laughs> with the ball? Um, he was in a league in, in a pop gun, and uh, we went to watch him play. I think Roy was playing or somebody was, else was playing. And so we went to watch him. Well, he had left. It's, it's huge fields, people everywhere. He had left his wallet in the car. Didn't lock it. And we go back to the car, and he goes, and he looks in the car, his wallet's empty. He had hundreds of dollars in it. And I'm pretty much, that was his weekly paycheck, because I paid him. Um, <laughs> and I asked him, I said, I said first of all, why, did you lock, why didn't you lock your car? And he goes, I just forgot. And I go, second, why do you have hundreds of dollars in your wallet? Nobody carries hundreds of dollars in their wallet. And he goes, well, whoever took it, because God bless them. Because they obviously they needed it. They needed it worse than I do. That was my third question. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but I saw his heart of serving. Giving. He just released it. It was about 10 years before I let him be in charge of our finances at church. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that that was just that situation. <laughs> he just didn't leave the offering laying around. Hey, anybody needs it, but more than we do. Go ahead. <laughs> We're blessed to have such a man lead us. But you want to ask for more? You're asking for more responsibility and to use it to use it. We're all blessed with some type of 
wealth, either in talents, abilities. It's interesting that um, in Luke 12, Jesus was giving a parable, and he was just saying in this parable, in the story, he goes, well, the master goes away, and he leaves these guys, you know, here to do his stuff. So Peter, he goes, um, when you say these guys, these managers, uh, is you talking about the, the disciples, excuse me, the disciples? Or are you talking about everybody? And Jesus pretty much says, neither. Or both, really. He goes, the faithful and the wise aren't the disciples, they aren't everybody's, whoever serves with what I give them. You're a good steward of what I give you, and you serve others with what I give you. And he ends it with a parable in verse 44, chapter 12. He goes, truly I tell you, the master will put that guy in charge of all his possessions if he's faithful with what I give him. Do you know what? You want all of it? You have to ask and then be faithful with it. The Lord says you can have it all if he finds you faithful with what he gives you, but you have to ask, and you're not going to ask until you have a foundation. So here's where I'm at. I've gone long. I've... There's a boldness that needs to happen for you to break free of that voice that tells you you're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy to ask for more. You're not worthy to go and do that job. You're not worthy to go and date that person. You're not worthy to have a, a mate. That voice is talking to you, and I'm here to tell you that that pain from the past doesn't have a voice. It's pain. It's something else has picked it up to, to kill, steal, and destroy your dreams, your hopes, your love, your ability. God's word says he's called you to serve. And this voice is doing everything to hold you back. I want to talk to that voice, but that voice doesn't, that voice won't separate itself. It's not, it, 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 the only person who can separate that voice from you is you. That you recognize, that's not me, I love me. If you didn't love you, you wouldn't have worn clothes, you wouldn't have brushed your teeth, you wouldn't have combed your hair before you came here. But you did, because you love you. You don't want people going, ha, 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 look at, you know, they're stinky, you know. <laughs> no, you love you. But yet, you allow this voice to go on in your life telling you how crummy you are and how you can't, and you're not worthy. That's not you. You have the opportunity today to separate you from that voice. How you do it is that in just a moment, I want to ask those people who have that voice to allow me to speak to that voice, but I need you to separate yourself by standing up when I tell you to. I'm going to ask you to stand up and say, I got that voice. I got that voice, and my it disrupts the foundation I'm standing on that God loves me. I'm going to speak to that voice, that spirit, and instead of it being troubling you, from this moment on, you and I are going to trouble it. It says, I'm, we're going to trouble it until it leaves. Now, you know, my situation when I was seven, 
Now, I don't like birthday parties. I don't like birthday parties, but it don't talk to me anymore. I still don't care being the object or the subject of a party all day. And, but it doesn't talk to me anymore. It's my choice now. Before it wasn't. It's mine. I recognize it. And I separated myself from it. I love me. This is bold. It's bold on your part. You can't do this unless you have some assurance that even whatever reason you're doing it for, you're, my foundation is, is God loves me. And for whatever reason I'm standing up, because some of you are going to go, well, I can't do it because I deserve this because I'm the one who caused this. Do I need to start over? <laughs> I've already gone too long. For those, so I want, okay, for those who are about to stand, let me tell you this to help you. Your fear is not the first emotion. There's something causing it. Your anger is not your first emotion. There's something that's causing it. Your inadequacy, that's not your first emotion. That's Second, something's causing that. That's who I'm calling out. That's what we're calling out today. The Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And that's what we're doing. We're going to tell that thing to just shut up in Jesus' name. He said, shut up, Mommy. Uh, <laughs> it's okay if you say it in Jesus' name. <laughs> We can tell demons to shut up. If that's you, and you know what? If no one stands up, I'm okay. You know why? Jesus loves me. <laughs> I have, I've had an altar call before, and people going, oh, my gosh. No one stood up. How do you deal with that? God loves me. I'll do it again. If that's you, stand Amen. Okay, now that everyone stood, don't be embarrassed that you're sitting. <laughs> you have just separated yourself from that voice. You have just now acquired the ability to recognize that's not me. It's called discernment. It's called discernment. You have been given a gift now by the Lord, by your actions. You're going to walk in a gift of discernment. So once, once he's given you a gift, guess what he says? You have to use it to serve others. And then when you serve others to keep you from feeling like you've been used and taken advantage of, you got to keep asking. There's something that's going to grow. It's going to grow in you, and it's going to spread to others as you serve. So right now, in the name of the one who legally entered this world by virgin birth, so that he was a part of this world legally and the world he came from, which was heaven, that he came because his father's love for us, this moment, 
that he died on a cross to set us free. To set us free from those things that have enslaved us. Either they've been put on us or we've done it to ourselves. It doesn't matter. We've been called to freedom. He died on that cross. He laid in a grave for three days. And then upon the third day, he rose to be in heaven where he ever makes intercession for us. That name it's the name I'm speaking to that thing that speaks to you. That's right. I am speaking to that voice that has told you you're not worthy, that you can't do it, you can't step out, that there's fear and there's anger. I bind you. I expose you. You have been found out and exposed just like a bright light in a dark room upon this one name. And I say it in the name and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are found out now. Now. We trouble you. We can tell you to shut up. And you will obey. Because you're going to walk in the anointing that God has placed upon you. The discernment to spot this thing and call it out for what it is and the power of the risen Christ, the Lord Jesus.